All right. So, hi. Uh, welcome to Beyond the Bedroom. I'm Birna, your host. I'm a sex educator, and I'm here with a very special guest. I'm here with Susie Steller, who's an artist and content creator. You might have seen her on Twitter. You might have seen her on TikTok. Uh, I personally am a huge fan of all of the content you make <laughs> and have a little bit of a crush on you. So, I look oh like my God. <laughs> Yes. So I'm very happy to have you. Uh, so hi, I can see you're in your perfectly bright and beautiful room here. You can see I'm in like the darkness of the north. Like the the composition here is great between us. Hi, I'm from northern New England, so I understand wow. the whole darkness. Oh yes. Um, Not as much as Iceland, but I I grew up in Connecticut and New York, so. Um, New England, those winters can be brutal as well, but you seem to have, uh, gotten out of there and gotten into a little bit more sunshine. So what brought you out to LA? Um, I moved here. Well, yeah, I think that I've always wanted to live in California Yeah, and every time I've come, I've kind of like skipped over LA just cause I always thought I didn't like big cities, but that's just cause mm -hmm. I was only exposed to small places. So I think like desensitizing myself to bigger cities from like having to travel and do collabs and stuff for work, I just kind of was more open to it. And I have a, my partner lives out here that I met through work and then we traveled a lot together and then it was just kind of a nice nudge to make the move out here. Okay, nice. <laughs> I I really like that. I, I myself have been thinking about like moving back to the States and it's like kind of daunting right now, but I'm like, oh, like all the best opportunities out there in terms of like sex ed and all this stuff is out there. So I'm like, I should probably go. <laughs> so yeah. I would love that. A lot of people actually have been moving to LA, like whether they make a podcast or they're on mm -hmm. OnlyFans, or like whatever they're doing, like so many people, I feel like it's kind of the hub right now. So yeah. I, yeah, I probably would get some really good guests out there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah come for a little work trip and like yes. schedule a couple. Oh, that's a really good one. So if you're listening and you want to be on the podcast and you do something sexy and fun, let me know. Um, <laughs> but I, I, so I personally followed you, uh, Susie Stellar on TikTok first. So I, that's how I found out about you. And yeah. I remember watching these TikToks and you just had this like really fun energy. And I remember you called yourself an alien and like, it was kind of like, cause you're, you stuck out and used to make these TikToks in particular that I remember of you kind of dancing around outside, um, and moving in such a liberated and like such an expressive way and I grew up as a dancer and so that immediately like stuck out to me because I was like I love this immediate follow um oh. yeah <laughs> and I just want to know like what your background was like in movement and dance and like how that do you feel like it helps you express yourself creatively sexually any of that um Definitely. I started dancing at age three and was on stage for recitals and things as young as three. So jazz tap ballet, I did that all growing up and in high school and middle school, I guess, was like did dance competitions and that whole thing. So I think that like before I could even really speak, I was on stage performing for people and being 
trained in ballet kind of like set my body up to be successful in movement and not so much like sport or whatever. Like the first time I ever ran, which is such a funny sentence, but I like quit dance for a second and was like, I'm going to try soccer. And the first day we had to run two miles. I'd never ran before in my life at age 14. So I sprained both of the tops of my feet because they had never like ran. So I was very like (laughs) built up in a specific way. Running is really hard. I don't run, but I love moving. Yes. To answer question. So yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that also. Cause I grew up in dance also. And I remember, uh, I had a dance teacher who was like, you are doing this because this is the way your body expresses yourself. And I remember it was like a time where, cause I did ballet as well too. And I remember it was like, we were getting older and it was like, you're going to have to pick, like, do you want to focus all of your time on dance or not? And she was like, the people that do do this, it's because their body wants it so bad. And I was like, I really like that because that's something that stuck with me for a long time. Um, cause it made me realize how differently everyone expresses themselves and stuff. Mm-hmm. And even when I became a sex educator, I realized like when I had clients coming to me and they were just really more expressive with their bodies, they were like trying to tell me a problem. They were like, I can show you the problem. Um, wow. and I really liked that too. Cause I was thinking like, yeah, well then go ahead show me, like use the movements, like walk me through like what happens. So that's mm-hmm. something that I really like. And it's something that comes across definitely. in everything that you do is your connection with your body. Do you ever get times where you are stuck in your head and, and what kind of helps you break out of that? Absolutely. And you know, it happens to me probably just as much as anybody else, especially like, you know, I'm a trauma survivor. Like I believe to be everybody else on this planet. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, I feel like it comes across more. So if I'm in like group settings, I get more in my head or like if I'm, shooting a scene that I don't for whatever reason I don't feel 100% in my body like it can be kind of hard to get yourself out of that situation I feel like lately I've found something has clicked in me recently that like allows me to just be more sexually liberated while shooting scenes yeah which is funny because I feel like people always say that to me like you're so sexually liberated you seem so like in your body and and I am absolutely but like it it's not without like constant effort and like making sure I am there here (laughs) that's really interesting because ballet was it's all about making the hard stuff look easy so I kind of feel like that's like whether it's shooting porn or whatever like you're making the hard stuff look really easy yeah maybe that's just because you grew up doing that like you make the hard stuff with your body look simple and carefree and easy maybe you know I don't know if that relates at all but that's it just- definitely yeah. does I mean lots of things in porn are extremely physically taxing yeah. and really difficult and you have to make it look easy because if it doesn't look easy it doesn't look sexy right so you know yeah I just shot my first scene for browsers and okay that was the first time that I really felt the like physical uh, difficulty of shooting porn because it's like, you know, they have the whole f- camera crew there and it's like the amount of twists you have to do in your body to like make the angles. <laughs> you need the whole being kind of, you need penetration and your face at the same time. So that's right. like a lot of 
full body twisting. (laughs) Right, exactly. Whereas like if you're just shooting a scene with your friends or your partner, like it's just a look like, it's just different, you know? So making it look easy is a big part of it. Yeah, I think exactly. Like a lot of people, they don't realize that it is entertainment and there is an entertainer part of it. You know what I mean? And whether it's, uh, you know, like stripping or whatever, it's like, there's always that aspect of like, it's a fantasy, it's entertainment. Like that's why it's so fun to watch and fun to engage with. What I was saying is there was this like big discussion about like OnlyFans and stuff and the bubble kind of burst and people were like, oh, this is what happens behind the scenes. And a lot of people actually also started getting more into like homemade amateur stuff instead of industry porn totally just like learned more about it too do you see trends in industry porn from the OnlyFans kind of era we can call it um do you think things are getting uh more like natural or do you think it's just kind of the same or you know not good or bad but do you see any changes um I think that the porn mainstream porn world is a little bit set in their ways Mm -hmm. and I think that if anything is drawing from each other like the OnlyFans world is drawing from the mind geek world you know Mm -hmm. so mind geek is like the company that owns all the like browsers porn like whatever sorry I didn't mean to mansplain that to you um (laughs) you're explaining to the audience the audience might not know who they are so it's okay that's true (laughs) so um yeah I feel like I'm one of the few people that I know of that is like a TikTok to OnlyFans pipeline person who has also worked with mainstream people and and shot with a mainstream company. So I think that I definitely see a lot of similarities, but there is definitely still the like goofy, silly scripted Mm -hmm. in the mainstream world. But I think a lot of people draw from that and make content like that for OnlyFans too. That's so, so true. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely, I agree. I can see it going both ways in that, yeah. in that regard. I think also just in general, like it's like the chicken and the egg kind of question, but I think that porn and like most internet stuff is just a reflection of the trends going on in society, like in general. So when there's a push for like diversity in other places, you're going to start seeing that trickle down into porn and like vice versa. So I think, you know, that's something that it's kind of just like a big mirror to what people are into. And, you know, um, have you ever, have you heard of the book? um, Tell me what you want. Uh, It's by Justin Lemiller. It's like a sex research book, but it's like the fantasies in America. Oh, cool. No, I haven't read that. You should definitely check that out because I love seeing like which states because it was like a self-reported study, obviously, but it's like if you were more conservative and you were within this age group and you were male, then like this was the most likely fantasy that you would be having. And a lot of it was about being submissive and losing control. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Like it's exactly what we would think. (laughs) Totally. That people like whatever they don't get to experience in their life they fantasize about, you know? So, and I remember when I was younger, I'm not going to say I watched porn before I was 18, but I absolutely did. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. I I was a part of like the two girls, one cup at age 11. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) lots of desensitization towards porn there, but yeah. So like in high school or whenever, middle school, I don't know. I was watching a lot of lesbian porn because I was Mm -hmm. so curious about it. 
And like, I would even like simulate like going down on somebody like while (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So, and like, I, I mean, I still watch lesbian porn now, obviously, but like my, I have a lot of lesbian sex in real life now. So the porn that I may watch now, but maybe something that I don't experience like a gangbang, you know what I mean? Or something like that. Like, yeah. yeah. I think that's really interesting. It's so true because I, I kind of find that to be true for me. Like I pretty much only watch lesbian porn, but even though I, I came out like later as bi, I first thought I was completely a lesbian. Mm-hmm. I just, it's so funny. Like the cliche, like you just haven't found the right man. I was like, uh Oh <laughs> oh no, I am bi. Um, but I, um, it's really funny because like I, watched it though to begin with because it felt safer to me Mm -hmm. like it was like my safe space I was like there's no man gonna come into this scene so I like felt safer and I think that's so true like a lot of people that consider themselves a lot of specifically like people who identify as women that consider themselves straight or more straight like leaning I guess uh they watch lesbian porn and they tell me the same thing they're like it's just because I don't experience it and it's also because it's passionate like safer to me Mm -hmm. like that is so funny because I could go on and on about this but that's something that I experienced as well and then when I started dating a guy that happened and then when I started like dating women more seriously I was like Mm -hmm. hmm two men threesome let's see what happens if I if I type that one in (laughs) it's like the same thing happened I was like I just want what I can't have like I don't know Mm -hmm, totally I remember one of my best friends from like elementary school shoot one time she was just like you know you're never going to be satisfied with one person because you're bisexual or queer or whatever so like every time you're with a man you're going to be thinking about women and every time you're with a woman you're going to be thinking about dick or whatever yeah. and you know looking back on it now I'm just like well yeah I am like I guess polyamorous so yeah. that makes sense like yeah. you were outing me exactly. <laughs> I I really like that I think that there's a lot more um acceptance and like stuff about polyamory now I don't know what happened I just really I recently did a video on like sex trends for this year and I was like it's so funny because people were in quarantine together and then they were thinking about opening up like a lot of people (laughs) open up their relationship after that and I was like yeah I wonder what that's about because that's really interesting but how long have you been polyamorous you know I realized recently that that's like a part of my identity but looking back all my relationships have been open even in high school I've always been the the door for women has always been open when I've been with men like long-term relationships with men so Mm -hmm. kind of realized like because of my queerness I guess all my relationships have been kind of open Mm -hmm. so I guess forever but (laughs) (laughs) yeah but I guess the relationship I'm in now is probably the most like intentionally polyamorous okay yeah cool yeah do you have any advice for people that are in that situation they kind of know this about their identity and they're not sure how to navigate the this new part of themselves yeah well it's been a long process for me I I think I first found out in a threesome with me and my friend and my high school boyfriend. It was all my idea and like seeing her 
like get fucked by him from behind while she's going down on me. I just like was it was exciting. I didn't feel jealous. I didn't feel anything like that. So then I broke up with him because I was like, (laughs) I was because you know I was like sixteen or whatever at the time. I was like, that something's wrong. Like I should have. He he had his thumb in my friend's ass in front of me, and I didn't get. I didn't feel weird about it. Like you didn't get jealous, right? I was like, I was like, that must mean the spark is gone. We should probably call it, you know. And then, I mean, it's good that relationship had to end, but like, (laughs) it's it's just funny to think. So I I guess what I'm trying to say is like, when you have those moments of your partner maybe flirting with somebody, you're feeling like you're thinking about them being with somebody else. Sometimes, like it can feel like jealous strings, but there's also a lot of like interest in it. And it's like, try not to shame yourself for the feelings that arise around the topic and then kind of put yourself in the situation of like how it would feel if your partner went on a date with someone or shot a scene with somebody else or, you know, just fucked a random person, you know, like, would you like to hear about it after? How would that make you feel like? you know, doing some of that like inner investigation by yourself and then share it with them after maybe. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. Cause I think people always think it's like all or nothing all at once and taking Mm -hmm. it in like those steps. And, and I think also hearing like, it is a process for people and Mm -hmm. it's okay. Like if you don't know all the answers right away. Right. So I think it's nice also that, like you said, it was a process for you. And, but that's really interesting because I have had that experience too, where I saw my partner, well, like con- in front of me, like asking me, you know, like it was my idea too. So I was like, let's have a threesome. <laughs> and I remember watching them kiss and being like, I'm way more into this than I thought. And also where's the jealousy? What's wrong with me? I was like, yeah. am I supposed to feel something else? But um, that was something also that was like eye-opening to me because I was like, uh-oh, like what's wrong with me? Do I not love him? Like what's wrong? And then I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. It is It is really a weird feeling when you're expecting something to happen that's been hammered into us from such a young age. Like you have your one and only person and like all this stuff. And then it's like, surprise, that's not it for everybody. Right. I think it's a really cool feeling though when you're like, you know, it's all right that I don't have the thing I was supposed to you know, be told that I am feeling kind of similar to like queerness, right? It's like, what are these feelings? I like someone more than just a friend. What is going on? And right. yeah. And that's something that I'm asked actually a lot about, especially people that are yeah. in their mid twenties and are realizing who they are. They are starting to realize like, maybe I need to step more into my queerness, especially like women that are bi or pan they're saying, I want these experiences, but they just don't know what to do or where to start. They're like, I can talk to guys all day, but like when it comes to flirting with a girl, I'm like, what am I doing? And I I think it, you know, compulsory heterosexuality is very real. And I think like it all, both of these topics with queerness and polyamory, I think come from having to just like dismantle and deprogram yourself from like, everything that was like shoved into us. Yes. Oh my God. Some Um, people like it and they like, you know, that type of structure and control and 
security. Right. In your quotes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, well, there's this book, Polysecure. Do you know I that? Love that one, yeah. It's really good. One. It's a great, great resource. And just connecting like the attachment styles to relationships is really helpful. Like, yeah. I find myself asking myself, like, is this a secure attachment? Like, is this secure attachment behavior or is right. it not? You know, <laughs> what would a securely attached person do right now? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's so yeah. true. I, I really love, especially like when people find out more about their queerness from watching queer creators, either in porn or just like on TikTok or whatever. I think that there's so much we can learn from each other. And for example, I get asked all the time and you mentioned something earlier about when you were um, watching lesbian porn, you were like making a little like, you know, makeshift Volvo with your elbow to like practice on. I, I think it's really funny because I remember being younger and being like, I have a vulva. Why is it so hard for me to like figure out what to do on another person's vulva? What's wrong with me? So do you have any type of like just tips for people that are maybe going down on a girl for the first time ever? Do you like, do you have any advice for that? Because a lot of people are like, I don't want to do it because I'm too scared, but I really, really want to do it. (laughs) A lot of people like are afraid to take that first step, especially with like going down on someone or like wearing a strap on, for example, for the first time, mm-hmm. um, besides just like communication, <laughs> what are some things that we can have in the back of our minds if we're going down on someone for the first time, if we're putting on a strap on for the first time, if we're just having quote unquote lesbian sex for the first time ever? What are some stuff that you would tell someone to like build up their confidence maybe? So advice for somebody that may be a little bit intimidated to, you know, top a woman or have a lesbian experience or to, you know, pleasure a pussy. So you just don't go zero to 60. Like we were saying, like, you know, you're in between someone's legs can be a little intimidating and you don't want to make them feel weird especially I think women are hyper aware of not like making people feel weird not wanting to so it may make you more apprehensive to make moves on women I've I've noticed that a lot like with a man like you're not you don't really have that same nervousness because of all of our lived experience you may just like not be as nervous to like make a man feel uncomfortable as you would as a woman because yeah. we've all been made to feel uncomfortable sexually. So try to like not think that you're a predator just because yes. you're about to have sex with a woman. I feel like it's so easy for queer women to feel predatory when in, in reality you're just expressing your sexuality. Um, but yeah, so, you know, go go as slow as you can and really like work up this tension and, you know, make them – be excited for you to go down on them and to taste them and everything. So I like to really like tease people and just like make it seem like I'm about to start doing something and like look up at them and like see if they're like getting more excited. And yeah, I think that a lot of people eat pussy too aggressively. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people like, like it to be slower and softer and more like, 
intimate and yeah, like you. And I think people spit on pussies too much. Yeah. Too. <laughs> I don't like the I think it's like you don't. Yeah. I've worked with some people that are super drooly and I've gotten a little, I've gotten better about it with like being good with it and everything, but I'm not the most like drooly person. So oh, yeah, I, I think cause some people like it way more. And so I guess it's just a communication mm-hmm. thing, but I personally, I'm like, I'm always like, all right, can we tone it down a little <laughs> on there? I get um, in my head about like all the bacteria from the spit and like, yeah. No, yeah. Especially because I used to get a ton of UTIs. So I'm always in that position where I'm trying to receive better too, without going into that, like all the bacteria thing. Like I feel like having a layer, even with my vibrator, I'll always like have a sheet in between or like something Mm -hmm. just because it's like, sometimes it can just be too much right up against. Yeah. Because you can get overstimulated so easily, especially with like large, um, like massage wands and more rumbly vibrators too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can get, you can get overstimulated. So that's another thing too. I mean, what, cause like I always heard this advice that was like, go slow, go soft, like all this stuff. And then I was mm-hmm. going a little too slow, a little too soft to the point where someone was just like grabbing my head, like, please just go for it. And I'm like, ah. yeah, totally. So it's just so funny. It's so true. What you said, like, we're all so unique. And, mm-hmm. um, but I really like that advice about building up and, and stuff, because sometimes people do rush in a little bit more. Um, and the predatory bit too. Oh my God. I've dealt with that. Literally after like a threesome once I was like convincing myself that I had somehow tricked her into it, but then I just talked to her about it and she was like, that is not at all how I experienced it. And I was like, Oh, thank God. (laughs) And then I was like, wow, I need to unpack that. (laughs) I have this theory that like in general across the globe, energetically women take on all the guilt that men don't. Yes. So it's like in those types of situations, like we'll spend time like thinking about these things and like, was I wrong in some way? Did I do, did I make her feel uncomfortable? Like, and men don't spend that time usually to like process and and wonder if they were, if they crossed anybody's boundaries. And um, so it's just one of the many things that we take on in a lot of the times it's displaced guilt and it's yeah. not our, like, it's not ours, but we're going to take the time to try to like mend it anyway. Yeah. Oh my God. So. That's so true. I really resonate with that. Like so yeah. much, <laughs> but <laughs> a little pivot, but keeping with the vulva discussion, um, I saw on your Twitter, your Twitter bio is equal yeah. opportunist for equal ejaculation opportunist or something like that. Equal. Yeah. Equal opportunity <laughs> Equal opportunity ejaculation. Thank you. <laughs> Not coming out. Um, I love that. That is such a, I just, I think it's really cute and funny, but it's also like, I deeply love that. Like that should be a political slogan. Like I love it. It I, is. It's mine. It is. <laughs> I personally always, as a sex educator, I'm asked about squirting. I mm-hmm. have a hard time selling uh, videos and, and tickets to classes that are about vulva pleasure. But if I say squirting class, people just run to buy the ticket. Where do you think this like kind of both obsession and this kind of distance with squirting 
comes from. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's this like, Ooh, ah, squirting thing. But like, it's also, there's this kind of wall for people that want to squirt. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that. (laughs) You're like, I can be political now. (laughs) Yeah. This is like such a big part of my brand and my like career so far. Cause it's like, you know, you subscribe to my OnlyFans. The first thing you get is tip me $5 for my OG squirting video. Like I have so much squirting content. It's been a big part of my own like sexual evolution. And I, you know, almost everything can be a feminist issue, right? So like, let's think about if men never squirted, if men never squirt, if men squirt as often as women do, like the status of the world would be incredibly different. And, you know, if women squirted as much as men do, the status of the world would, would also be incredibly different. And I believe in a, in a positive way. So I think that um, women have enough shit that like brings them down. Like they should be released, like releasing <laughs> more. <Literally> releasing. <laughs> yeah. I agree. <laughs> so yeah, the first time I ever squirted, I didn't know what it was. I thought I was like, peeing right and I like my it was my ex-boyfriend at the time and he was like fingering me I was like um straddling him and so I like hopped up off of him and was like oh my god and then (laughs) I was like high off endorphins for like two days after that I was like just like smiling and just so happy and I was like whoa like that was built up my whole life and then I released it and now I can do it on command whenever it's great but I think that I didn't answer your question at all but uh, you did (laughs) the the intrigue and the distance about it I think that it's gotten to be more talked about in many ways and like people are interested in it and they like it and visually it's great and um, so I think women who have never experienced it are like oh my god like what the fuck I wonder what that feels like but at the same time to like if you haven't experienced it it's kind of it seems like really abstract like how would that happen and how would that feel and it's different for everybody like it doesn't necessarily for you it it feels like a type of orgasm but it mainly just feels like but <laughs> having a flashback <laughs> no like every squirt is running across my eyes right now yes um I like like covering people in squirt maybe it's kind of like marking your territory a little bit or something like I don't know it's like that's not that's not you know don't print that but I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> um it's just this like release and to hear the other person's reaction to it is really exciting too like to cover to cover someone in your cum is really exciting and just to feel like pent-up energy releasing from your body is great yeah something like women have like up to a quart of this elixir inside of them at all times something so yeah so because uh some people it like it because your PC muscles like some people like literally can shoot it out of them and then for some people it's like a trickle but it still mm-hmm. feels the same which is super interesting to me I love yes. reading about that because not only are our vulvas looking different and our vaginas feeling different but then our muscles behind it are all working differently 
which is so crazy. I'm like, that is so interesting. I know also people um, ask me sometimes they're like, like, cause they feel a lot of shame after they squirt or a lot of guilt. Mm -hmm. They're like, I just feel like it's something I, people sometimes ask me how they can stop squirting. And <laughs> I don't know really where that comes from, but I think it's something about, you know, it's just, you're taking up too much space. You know what I mean? So were you always this, were you always this okay with taking up sexual space? Was that also a journey for you? Yeah. And I think it still is. Um, yeah. You know, women are supposed to clean, not make things messy. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, you know, through my years of destroying people's mattresses <laughs> and things <laughs> like that, like it does kind of, it just, it takes time. I think that since squirting and like ejaculating has become such a big part of my life mm -hmm. and like my sustaining said life it it is fully in the empowerment mode now whereas like there were some times before where like yeah having to like change my sheets and then see like the water stain and be like yeah you know like <laughs> I gotta mop I gotta mop up again like I don't know yeah. It, it did make me feel weird sometimes, but I just had a couple of partners that just like loved it and just like kind of fetishized it. And I enjoyed that. So yeah. Yeah. It's like all hot and sexy. You know? I think it helps mm -hmm. a lot. Like if you have a, anything, like if you have a partner that's enthusiastic, that helps so much because then it's like, wow, they want this. Like, and I should just give it to them. You know what I mean? Which is such yeah. a good feeling. It's always, you know, it's uncomfortable if your partner's weird about it afterwards because it's like one it's not like you can stop it once it's coming out you know what I mean you can't right, like just yeah. put a cork in there so it just it mm -hmm. happens um and also I hear also sometimes the way people talk about it like yeah she was a squirter and I'm like mm -hmm. aren't we all squirters deep down <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know the whole like are you does it squirt or do it be creaming like that whole yeah. thing? Like, it's funny. I mean, yeah, some people are definite creamers where like, it's like volcanoing out and it's more white and kind of like viscous. Mm -hmm. And then some people it's like, literally it looks like a sprinkler Yeah, and it's like completely <laughs> clear and, you know, whatever some people's squirt tastes great some people's don't like yeah it's just like any type of you know sexual fluid I guess totally. <laughs> it's like we're all so different I also well I love like I could talk about squirt forever like I love that topic so much but oh, you're a squirt. I'm actually not you're I not. no but I love making people squirt but I'm uh. more of like a like it drips it's mm. like, cause I only have one working skeins gland, which is like where the squirt kind of comes out of. Yeah. I know. How do you, how do you figure that out? Well, um, I had a lot of, cause I was born with a kidney issue. So I only had, I had like okay. a lot of chronic UTIs and then they just told me that once they were like, Oh, do you know that you only have one skeins gland? Cause it's like next to the urethra. And I was like, I did not know that, but that makes sense. Why I don't like, like the squirt just kind of, is like, Doop. Like it doesn't like spray out. It's just kind of, it's like, here you go. Like, How you know. many skeins glands? We have two. We have one on oh. each side of the urethra and that's the theorized where the squirt comes out of. Um, it makes lubrication for when you pee. So that's why a lot of the time when people have chronic 
uh, not necessarily bladder infections, but more just like vulva or your urinary tract infections. Um, yeah. they look at the skin's glands cause they're like, maybe you're not lubricating enough because that's what, what it is. Yeah. It's so crazy. Like we have a lot more holes down there <laughs> than we think. Seriously. Yeah. But anyway, so I don't remember where I was going with that, but yeah, so I'm not like, I'm not like a squirter, but I do also do the other thing that you were talking about, like the creaminess. I deal with that often. And that was something yeah. I was, I was feeling shame about sometimes too. Cause I was like, you know, until a partner was like, damn, that's so hot. And I was like, yeah, I know, <laughs> <laughs> which is so funny. But now I'm like, I can validate myself. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But it does help. Like when a partner is enthusiastic, then you're like, you know what? There is nothing wrong with me and I am hot, you know? So totally. Yeah. I think like it, you know, the type of house you grew up in really has a hold on you too. It's yeah. household. Maybe that's right. why it's called. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, I grew up like really devout Catholic oh, and my mom, my mom was a Sunday school teacher and like, they didn't give me any information about sex. So of course, like, as soon as the internet was a thing, I was like, here are the answers. Right. And um, yeah, I think like there's just, I'm kind of segueing into something more personal, but I do want to talk about it and you may have information for me about it. Go for it. Um, So when I was born, I was, I was born with my vulva was fused closed. Oh, interesting. So, and my parents didn't tell me about it. I found out in middle school, my doctor was like doing an an internal exam for the first time. She was like, you may get your period soon. We have to make sure that like your, everything's working because you were born with this like condition. She didn't say say deformity, but like whatever. And so I went home and I was like, mom, dad, what the hell? Like, (laughs) (laughs) why didn't you tell me about my pussy being closed? What the hell? I know. And they were like, oh, it's totally normal. Like whatever. It happens like to a lot of people. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went to school, seventh grade or something, and was like, told a couple people at lunch. Obviously, at the shit spread like wildfires. Oh like she was born a boy. She has a peanut, yeah. like all these um things were floating around. And I was just like, okay, I'm just not gonna not gonna think about that again. Yeah. It, and then, a, it like takes a toll, especially it, when you're like going through puberty. It's like, I don't need any of this on top of what else I'm going through right now. Right. Totally. And yeah, lots of like vulvic vaginal shame mm. and that, and this whole thing didn't really help obviously. And then when I, I hooked up with this girl, my boyfriend at the time gave me permission because he was like, you need to figure out if you're a lesbian. <laughs> anyway, I hooked up with this girl and the next day at school, she went around and was like, remember that rumor that she was born with a fake pussy? I fucked her and it's true. So then it went around again in like oh high my school. God. And then I really was like, I'm not thinking about this. And then no. two, two summers ago, I remembered it all. Mm. <laughs> and was like I did a simple google search of like labial fusion yeah. and it, a bunch of things came up and it was like that means you're intersex yeah and I was like oh it is a type of it intersex is like a big umbrella term as you probably found out yeah oh so, so it is a type of it and 
it's so labial fusion is one of those intersex surgeries that like when activists talk about like don't perform uh surgeries on it's like it's more this one is usually done anyway because it is more like medically necessary to like get the urethra free so this is not that surgery that people are usually talking about when intersex activists are like don't operate on infants without you know mm-hmm. it, that's usually corrective like making it look more female or male so right labial fusion actually happens a lot more but it's like one of those things that isn't talked about Mm -hmm. but it's it's really interesting because our like you know the scrotum skin and the labia skin are made of the same thing right so crazy (laughs) I know so you're right it's like I just wasn't done cooking and I was born a month (laughs) early so it's like maybe maybe I would have opened up but I don't know and I've always had a working period but like you know, I, and I don't know if there was any surgery performed on me. Um, my parents are both awesome, but they're in their mid sixties and they're from new England. So like yeah. <laughs> they did what the doctor said in the nineties and they didn't question it, yes. you know? And, <laughs> and now when I bring it up, they just get unfortunately defensive. So I can't like ask them for any, any information cause I can't necessarily trust it. Yeah. But, um, they said that the the doctors used a hormonal cream. Yeah, that's usually that uh, is that okay. is either a corticosteroid that is put mm. applied, but that can thin out the skin on a little baby. So they mm. stopped doing that, and um, yeah, they it, it was probably a either an estrogenizing cream or a progestin progesterone. Uh, combination cream. So that actually, that's very interesting. It's mostly just because the cream then gets absorbed and goes into your reproductive system. And then the reproductive system takes care of opening everything up. So it just kind of like keeps cooking you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's cool. Yeah. I think I, this is something that I want to be more out and open about. So yeah. I guess talking about it on this podcast is Perfect. good. But, yeah. <laughs> yay. Yay. but I want, I have to request like my medical records and yeah. see for sure. Yeah. What- it shouldn't have, if you have um, working inner reproductive organs, it shouldn't have any effect on your hormones. So you're probably not like an intersex variant that would prevent, for example, something like pregnancies from happening mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, but it is one of those things that does affect like labia length and mm-hmm. look and also sensitivity. So if you have an extra sensitive labia, this could be the reason why, but it could also not be like, yeah. we don't know. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's so interesting. I used to be so self-conscious about my labia because at the time, most women I saw in porn had what I call to be like a slit. Yeah. Like, like a little just, <laughs> if you were to draw it, it would be a line, you yes. know, and that's it. <laughs> that was a um, trend. Yeah. Yes. And just, I feel like circumcised dicks and slit pussies were really popular when we were like teenagers and early whatever and now it's like all about that uncut cock and all about the like fat Audi Audi, yeah well here's my question is a fat pussy meaning like the kind that looks like a macaroon cookie like 
if is it the outer labia the majora that's fatter that makes it a fat pussy or the inner ones honestly i think both i think you know don't we all have fat pussy energy at this point too you know what i mean so <laughs> but i think it's both um i don't know like because i see people talking about like the two different ones so i'm like yeah. all right i mean if you feel like you have one by all means I know, right? <laughs> totally. It's however you identify. If you are, right. I know women that are like, oh, I'm an Audi. And then I get down there and I'm like, <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. But that's <laughs> it's like cute that people want to be Audis now. Right. It makes me feel so happy. I didn't get that labiaplasty. <laughs> exactly. Actually, I put um, an Instagram poll like months ago about labiaplasty. Mm-hmm. And I was. I was really shocked because I wasn't saying like good, bad, like yes, no, anything like that. I was just like, have you ever considered it? Like, what was your experience? Do you regret it or whatever? And I actually had many of my close, close friends that I had no idea. They were like, I've never told you this. And I've maybe told like one person, but I got a labiaplasty when I was 18. And I was like, I had no idea. And like, that really shocked me. And I, I had no idea how prevalent it was. And that was something that really, um, cause you know, you hear a lot of these conversations about plastic surgery, about like, is it feminist or not? And I'm like, I don't really care if it is or not. I'm not going to be trying to like yell over like, who's the best feminist. It's more just like, you know, do we want 18 year olds to make these big decisions about their reproductive organs when they maybe haven't experienced enough of the world? But then I'm like, I don't want to be that person, you know? So it's like, it's just really heavy loaded conversation. I think at the end of the day, like all people have is their body. So I personally think like, do whatever the fuck you want. Exactly. But of course, do I have it in the back of my head? Like, oh, I hope that you don't wish that you had your lips later on or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it is, it is like in that vein. And I don't think it is the same as getting like facial work done or anything like that. I think it is very, it's just a different thing. Like it's a more political thing too. I mean, sex is so political. It's crazy. So, so I think it is more of a, like, it is a, it is a heavier issue than the rest of them. I feel so, but you know, (laughs) it is what it is. I'm very happy also. Like I didn't, um, I actually never considered getting one because I grew up coming here in the summer in Iceland and public pools are a huge thing here. It's like the way that we spend our time and it's, we all go and like, uh, it's separated by like whatever gender you want to go in. And then, um, you shower in a public shower, like naked. And like, sometimes you should be like mm-hmm. chatting with your neighbor in the shower. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that helped. Cause I saw all different kinds of labia, all different kinds of boobs, all different kinds of bodies, body hair, like whatever. And it was super normal and natural. Um, yeah. and plastic surgery still exists here. Obviously it's more boob jobs and stuff, but, mm-hmm. um, it was like labiaplasty, like, uh, rates here are a lot lower. So I'm like, I wonder if that has something to do with it. Maybe. Yeah. I remember in call it like learning that labiaplasty was the most common procedure for 16 year olds in the UK. And I was yeah. like, holy shit. You're not even done developing. I know. <laughs> I know. You know, I've, I've been with women that have had labiaplasties. And I mean, 
I don't know. It's not anything good or bad, obviously. It's just like, just because I personally also considered it and I'm happy that I haven't done it. Like I'm ha- also happy I never got a nose job when I was self-conscious about my nose or anything. Yeah. And like I, ha- I used to have this mole, like this birthmark on my tit and I got that removed. Not because of co- like cosmetic reason. I got nervous about like it being precancerous. Yeah. And then it wasn't. But like I just like impulsively got it removed and now there's a scar. And if I had that birthmark, it would make my boobs be a little bit more unique, like how I was born. So I I just regret getting rid of that. So I'm happy that I kept my lips. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think it's, it's one of those things like, and as I get older, I'm just kind of more like, this is, this is it. This is how I am. Like take it or leave it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think it's also one of those things where I'm so happy that 18 year old me didn't have the money for that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm kind of just like, thank God I didn't have as much money for like reckless shit that I wanted to do. You know what I mean? So, but I do remember, um, I got my nipple pierced only one and my, uh, college roommate who we dated actually, which is really funny. (laughs) And then we ended up as college roommates. Um, but we, so she got her left side and I got my right side. So we were matching pair out in the world when we were moving away from each other. And I just had to get it out last year. Mm -hmm. And I was so sad about having to get it out. And it left a little like keloid scar kind of, cause I had it for Mm -hmm. like eight years or something. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm actually so happy about the scar because I'm like, Oh, see, it'll always be a part of me. (laughs) Totally. I think it's also just like perspective, you know, like, Mm-hmm. 18 year old me would have been like, Oh no, I don't want a scar on my boob. Like what? And now I'm just like, Oh, my little scar. It's so cute. So yeah, maybe it's just perspective, you know, but yeah, most things. Yeah. So I also, I think like, it's really refreshing to see someone be so open about, um, their journey and their sexual empowerment and all this stuff and embodiment. And, I think it's really good, cool, like really nice too, that you, you kind of show who you are, not just like the content you make, but you're also letting people in, like, this is my sense of humor. And like, these are the questions that I like to answer and all that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. is there, do you think that there's like a, that's a benefit to you as like a content creator, like on OnlyFans and stuff that people get to know who you are and your personality a little more? Yeah, absolutely. I think like exclusive content, is moving to be more personality based. Mm. Like they think you're funny or think you're interesting. They're curious about you and then they can see you have sex. It's like (laughs) this like added bonus. It's like, oh, this girl's kind of cute. This girl's kind of funny. Oh, she's got OnlyFans. Okay. Like it's, I, I like that like curiosity. And I think like in a business perspective, if you can make people curious about you, you're good. Yeah, that's so true. I like that. Um, and do you have any advice or maybe just guidance for someone who's maybe like, I can't wait till I turn 18 and I can make an only, um, because I, I do hear that comment a lot. And so I just kind of want to ask like from someone who does this for a living, uh, what's something that you would maybe tell them? Well, I guess, 
personally, I am very happy that I did not start when I was 18, just because, you know, I'd probably have a lot more money, but I'd be just a very different than how I am now. I started, I think, doing porn when I was 25. So my brain was fully developed and I spent a lot of time thinking about if it was what I wanted to do or not. And I had done other forms of sex work, like stripping and burlesque and some other stuff. And, (laughs) but there's some that this is very public. So you everyone that you've ever met you know you have to be like if everyone I've ever met and everyone that I'm related to comes across this how is that going to make me feel because like I personally don't give a fuck I know it's going to make those people feel uncomfortable but like I don't care so that was something where I was like okay I can probably I can do this Mm -hmm. um so advice like I would say take some time and make sure it's what you want to do I would take a bunch of content just start by making the videos and take the pictures. So you have them from when you were 18 and take some time and think about if you really want to start this career and do it for a long time, Mm -hmm. because it's kind of like a go hard or go home. But I think it's really changing where like, you know, there's been more and more people that do porn and then do other things that are in the public eye, like Chloe Cherry. For example, Chloe Cherry was a pretty big mainstream porn girl, and she is now in Euphoria. So, like, there's a lot more of these crossovers happening, and I'm sure teenagers now are going to experience a different world in their early 20s than I even did. But um, take time. Think about it. Everyone's going to see it. Everyone's going to know if you feel like there's any part of you that wishes you could do it anonymously or, like, okay, but just not my face, like, take some time to think about it, you know? Yeah. I think that's good advice. And I think that's, sorry, there's yeah. a bit of a lag. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It sounded like um, I was like, okay, that's enough, Susie. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's just a big, a big question. Though. I want to make sure I have everything. Like you don't feel like you have to collaborate with anybody especially starting out, like focusing on solo work is the most important thing anyway. So just focus on your own, own brand, solo stuff for a while. And then, you know, follow your gut. If you have a weird feeling about somebody, don't meet up with them. Don't shoot with them. Always ask for references. If you are going to work with people, always get their STD test because in this OnlyFans world, if you're not going to ask for it and they're not going to give it, then it's not going to happen. So you have to like be advocating for yourself all the time. And for yeah. me personally, that was a lot harder to do when I was 18. So same. I think about like my 18 year old self and I don't think that she could handle the world that I'm in now. Yeah. I think yet, um, so. it's like, the, yeah, yet <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I think like you have to develop also a thick skin in terms of the responsibility that comes with you're now making decision that impacts your future in a different way than maybe picking a major at college would, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) they're both heavy, but like one is a lot more stigmatized than the other. So it's, it is one of those things that, you know, I tell people really this, 
same thing. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you the truth. And, you know, I think that there needs to be more of those conversations. And I think it's good advice for anybody, be your own best advocate. Cause no one else is going to do it for you. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's super hard. And like, even just establishing boundaries is so hard. Oh, like, yeah especially if you go some time without any like me, and then you have to kind of like reel everything in like, wait a second. Oh, yes. <laughs> I often am teaching, especially teenagers, boundaries for the first time. Like they're learning about boundaries for the first time in sex ed. And I'm like, there's financial boundaries. There's boundaries with family and friends. And, uh, you know, like these things are really important and you're allowed to say no. And you're allowed to say, I changed my mind. And, even if it's like, Hey, I started doing porn and I changed my mind. I don't want to do that anymore. That's okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's something I tell people too. Like, don't think like, you're not like a bad person either way. You know what I mean? Like if you want to do it and you love it, if you decide, you know, this isn't something that I love anymore. I used to, and now I don't, it's okay. Like it doesn't make you like a bad person, a bad feminist, whatever. I don't care. You know what I mean? It's like, take yourself out of the equation for a little bit and just, if your friend were to say the same thing, would you be like, wow, well, she's a bad porn star? <laughs> no, <laughs> of course not. Right. So I think it's okay also to like change your mind and go down different paths and just explore, you know, but I personally think that the stuff that you're doing just is putting such a huge smile on people's faces. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And we need more of that, whether it's, uh, you know, doing pull-ups on a jungle gym to a crazy song (laughs) or making some really amazing sexual content and erotic content and the art that you're creating with your body. Mm -hmm. I think there should be more of this going around. And so is there anything you want to add? Where can people find you, Susie Stellar? I wonder. (laughs) Um, You can find me anywhere in my... SEO is pretty tight. So just a simple Susie Stellar Google search will get you everything you need. Onlyfans.com slash Susie Stellar. Twitter is just Susie Stellar. I have, I'm a big ideas guy and there's so many things I want to do with like my umbrella brand of stellar so you know there's i want to i have a lot of like sci-fi apocalyptic dreams and i want to create a comic strip based on them i want to you know do a content house i want to do a reality show i want to do like all these things and i have people that want to do them with me and i think that it's just there's so many things to do yes and i think you're gonna do them yeah will and i am excited to see what's next for you anytime you want to come back on just like let me know that would be so yeah If I'm I ever excited. in LA, I will also be like, let's do a series together of podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> because- yeah, absolutely. And I'm starting to, you know, get like blog, vlog, podcast things in order. So yeah, yeah I'll have you yeah. on mine too. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much, Susie Stellar for coming on and for all of this great info. Um, I hope that you have a great rest of your day or night wherever you are and I'm sending all my love from Iceland is there anything you want to say to my lovely listeners on the way out it was so nice to meet all of you guys (laughs) and thank you for listening and I hope to you know interact with you in some way on this stratosphere (laughs) yes And and 
I hope I, you yeah. have a great orgasm today. Yeah. If you can. I hope you do some squirting in the name yeah. of Stellar. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would love that. <laughs> okay, well, fine. I've had a great time talking about squirty, slurpy, sexy stuff with you. Oh, it was so great having you. 